This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Craig Hoffman with you. This is Overtime on 106.7 The Fan. All guests on the BetQL guest line, Bet Smarter, Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today. Joining me now right there, the host of Pod Save the World. He's co-founder of Crooked Media. He's also the uh, spokesman uh, for the National Security Council, amongst other jobs under President Obama. It is Tommy Vitor back on the show. Tommy, what's up, man? Good to talk to you. Thanks for coming back on. Craig, it's so great to be back. Can you just introduce me as a Mac Jones superfan? Is that cool? I, I wondered if how far we get into this before <laughs> that came up. Because I feel like last time you came on, like we closed with uh, you trying to hit me real quick with like, by the way, what do you think of Mac Jones? Because they like just drafted him. And I think I had a draft segment next that I had teased or something. And I, I knew that was going to happen immediately. So you must be feeling pretty good. I mean, we are uh, predictable and insufferable in Boston. So, you know, like, I I, I can't really break that. I'll be honest with you. If you and I had had, like, a really, like, honest conversation over a couple beers after draft day, I would have probably cried about not getting Justin Fields. So, you know, Belichick was right. I was wrong. Yeah, well, he's been right a lot. Uh, By the way, have you been watching the the Man in the Arena special on ESPN Plus with Brady? Not yet. I'm, I don't know if I'm emotionally prepared, although I did have a really weird dream last night that I was hanging out with the Brady family. I'm not sure I should have disclosed that on the radio, but it actually did happen. Nope. That, that feels like a fun headline that you didn't want, but uh, let's, we can move on. I will just say the the series is fan. I'm like, I'm not a new England guy, not a Brady guy. Uh, like I obviously appreciate his greatness, but uh, by no means like a, a Brady fan. And the series is actually really, really good. Like there's a little bit too much clarity that Brady was heavily involved in making it, but it actually is genuinely really good. So highly recommend uh, as soon as I'm you're done with succession. It. I mean, I love the guy. Like, he will always be the word of the. He gave me twenty years of pure joy in terms right. of a sports fan. He's also a total psychopath. I mean, like anyone who's that intense about winning, whether it's Michael Jordan, Brady, anybody else, they're a different species than me. I just I like can't totally understand them, but I I respect what they do. No, totally. I'm I'm right there with you. Um, so the reason we wanted to have Tommy on the show, besides to let him gloat about his football mm-hmm. team success, because you know it'd been a whole year since he'd had some, uh, is that. 
The United States government has announced, specifically the White House has announced, that there will be a diplomatic boycott of the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing, which are coming up in February, meaning that no U.S. government officials uh, or any other diplomats will go to Beijing. This is actually, like, in terms of name, this is not like some undersecretary of the whatever going, all due respect to those very important people, <laughs> uh, but, like, we've had presidential level, vice presidential level people go in the past. So in terms of like right. diplomatic visits, this is uh, on some level a big deal. I guess I will start my questions for you, Tommy, with simply saying like, what what is the purpose of this and what can it accomplish and what can't it accomplish in protesting China's human rights abuses, which is the reason for this boycott? Good question. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the background for why this is happening is uh, in Western China, in a province called Xinjiang province, there is a minority group of people called the Uyghurs. Uh, they're a Muslim minority group. And for the last many years, they have been brutally repressed by the Chinese government. By some estimates, uh, over a million people have been thrown into what are called re-education camps, where there's reports of uh, abortion, uh, you know, for- forced abortions, sterilizations, torture, like the worst things imaginable, slave labor. Uh, there's actually been a bill moving through Congress that would ban all imports from Xinjiang province to the United States over these concerns about uh, slave labor being used to make products there. So this diplomatic boycott is an effort to raise awareness about what about about that uh, genocide. It's been called a genocide by the U.S. government, uh, raise awareness about it and to protest um, the fact that this is an ongoing thing happening by the Chinese government. So that's the thinking um, broadly, and we can talk more about sort of why you narrow it to a diplomatic boycott versus a full boycott if you want or, or anything else. Yeah, no, and, and I guess that's the logical next question because when, when you were on this summer, we talked about this, that to to do a full boycott of the games, one, it could backfire much like it kind of did in 1980, which if you want to, you know, put that in context you can uh but also that it would punish the athletes and so it seems like uh from what jen saki the the white house press secretary who announced this uh, a couple days ago at the press briefing said like that would seem to be the reasoning behind doing it this way yeah i mean so in 1980 the soviet union had just invaded afghanistan jimmy carter decided to uh, put forward a full boycott of the 1980 games 60 other countries joined and all of the u.s athletes couldn't compete. And I think a lot of people think that in hindsight, it seemed unfair to uh, punish the athletes for something that, you know, the International Olympic Committee decided where the games were going to go, not these athletes, right? So they get, it's not fair that they got punished. And I think there was a sense that, you know, sort of handing the stage over to the Russians allowed them to mop up, win a lot of medals, uh, and kind of have a bit of a propaganda coup. So, you know, to your point in, in the intro, you know, the 2008 Olympics were attended by George W. Bush. Uh, many past Olympics have been attended at the presidential or vice presidential level. And so this, I think, Biden saw as a middle ground that would say, look, we're, this isn't business as usual. We have real concerns about China and its human rights record. But we don't want to punish these athletes who literally spent their entire lives training for this one moment. Um, how much that will accomplish, I, I think it's an open question, but it's it certainly you know, has a lot more people having this conversation than I think otherwise would have. 
Right, and, and to a point, this conversation we're having right now proves that it was a prudent decision because we are talking about it, and otherwise we would not be mentioning this at all. I'd be doing straight Washington football Dallas Cowboys preview today, uh, and you know you wouldn't have gotten your Mac Jones five minutes either, but you know, here we are. Uh, Tommy Vitor, the co-host of Pod Save the World uh, from Crooked Media, is with us here on 106.7 The Fan. Um, I, the, the last question I want to ask on like this side, and then kind of the, the thing I wanted to get into also is what's next? Like, what else can be done uh, at multiple different levels but when you talk about the diplomatic boycott of the united states i saw that boris johnson over in the uk um i don't think he called it a diplomatic boycott but basically they announced the same thing how many other countries are getting involved and what does that strength in numbers do to amplify the story and again get more people talking worldwide to the point that it might actually move the needle in some way or is the, the wall too thick to break through uh in china I mean, it's a good question. I think there is strength in numbers when it comes to dealing with a country like China. So to your point, the U.K. said that no senior ministers are going to attend the Olympic Games. So that's effectively a diplomatic boycott. New Zealand said that they're not going to be attending the Games either. I think they pointed more towards COVID than anything else. But I think uh, Australia and Canada have joined the United States in announcing this diplomatic boycott. So you know, the, you, I think Lithuania is another country where the they won't have a diplomatic presence. So, you know, like th- maybe this is snowballing, right? I mean, maybe more and more countries are gonna are gonna pick up the cause here and decide not to go. It's an open question to me whether NBC will be able to broach these subjects while broadcasting the games from China, or whether they will choose to. Um, I, I, I'm not sure how that will go, but you know, I think so far it has started a conversation that. Frankly, like this genocidal behavior by the Chinese government has been going on for years. It's some of the worst, most horrifying stuff you could ever read about. There's not nearly enough conversation about that behavior in the systemic way the Chinese government is doing it. So, you know, in part, I do think there's the beginnings uh, of a breakthrough here just in terms of kicking up the conversation. So with NBC, they're part in this is fascinating. Obviously, they are the largest broadcaster uh, because the U.S. has one of the largest, or I should say, you know, one of the largest broadcasters. The U.S. has one of the largest audience um, and certainly one of the largest independents because you have government involvement in everything in countries like China where the, you know, ev- everything is government controlled and thus so are the, the television stations. Um, but you have, you know, this independent news source in NBC and, I'm, and I call them a news source as well because they don't just broadcast like it's not like ESPN is doing the games, right? Like it's not just a sports network. NBC also has a news division and they typically send the Today Show and, and sometimes the nightly news. And like they they really blow it out for the Olympics in a major way yeah. because they spend oodles and oodles of money on it. And it's a prudent financial decision for them to do so. So if yeah. you have not only like Mike Tirico in the studio doing the Olympic coverage and the feature stories and all that kind of stuff beyond the competition themselves, but the news division over there as well. What is their ability to even broach these topics while they are on Chinese soil and at what risk? That's a really good question. And, I, and I'm wondering about that myself. I mean, I, I hope that they will be able to speak relatively freely about what's happening and, and events back home. But you never know. I mean, you, there's always a chance that the Chinese government could decide to be really heavy handed about this. I mean, there have been, you know, interviews in the past out of China where subjects have been broached that, you know, Chinese censors didn't like and they just sort of cut the feed or, or you know, they they uh, they prevent it from going out. So we'll see. I mean, it, it used to be the case that most Chinese censorship happened within China. There's like a massive 
you know, propaganda division of the Chinese government that literally sends out little notices to journalists saying like the following topics shouldn't be mentioned or the following subjects should not be overplayed in your coverage and you're sort of obligated to follow suit. Um, in more recent years, the Chinese government has gotten really aggressive about trying to censor the conversation about China abroad, right? I mean, remember when um, uh, the, the GM of the Houston Rockets posted yep. something about Hong Kong and the Chinese government slapped him around and it, it created this huge issue. So I, it's, I'm not sure, it's not clear to me yet how intense they're going to be about the NBC broadcast or about the ability of you know, journalists covering the games in Beijing to speak, speak freely in their coverage back home. But uh, I think that'll be an important piece of the puzzle. I mean, you could also see a scenario where the Chinese government tries to censor NBC, they try to censor Western journalists, and that blows the story up even more and it sort of, uh, you know, gets them even more attention that they don't want. So I'm not sure which way they'll go. Right. And of course, the same would apply for the BBC and, and other Western nations, whoever, you know, yeah. covers the, I don't yeah. know, the, the German network that covers it, but the, the same for, as you said, for all Western nations. I'm curious if your your thoughts on this have changed at all in the last month uh, after the the incident with, and the ongoing, by the way, incident with Peng Shui, the, uh, the Chinese tennis player who was, for as far as we can tell, abducted for a time being after accusing a senior level Chinese uh, official of sexual assault. She's is one of the most famous tennis players in the world, and she just kind of disappeared. Um, and so clearly there's some boldness there in doing that, and it has received a lot of global attention. Um, so I'm curious if, if the way you think about this has changed in the last month after that incident. Yeah, I mean, that was an amazing story. I mean, you know, she is, she is formerly one of the best tennis players in the world. She's one of the most famous athletes in all of China. And she accused um, one of, you know, a, a man who was one of the most powerful people uh, in the Chinese Communist Party at, at one time. And, you know, it was basically two years removed from being in office of sexual assault. Uh, and she did so in a 1600 word post on China's version of Twitter. And basically that post was pulled down within 30 minutes. Um, even screenshots of it that were reposted by other people were getting yanked down. Uh, Chinese uh, citizens often use sort of code word to try to get around censors, uh, but they were managing to pull those down. So it was really a remarkable incident. And then, she, as you said, she wasn't seen or heard from for several weeks. And, you know, uh, horrifyingly, tragically, the IOC, the International, you know, the Olympic Committee, was a part of this sort of staged phone call with Peng where they released a photo of her on a Zoom call and said that she seemed like she was doing well. I mean, essentially, they aided in the cover-up of um, China's propaganda cover-up of what had happened and whatever they had done to sort of disappear her. So it was, I think, a good reminder uh, of the length the Chinese Communist Party will go to keep bad news from reaching its own citizens. It also, to me, you know, spoke to how morally bankrupt the IOC is. Uh, as an institution. It's really incredibly corrupt and clearly completely immoral in this case. And, um, you know, I think it, it, to me, it reaffirmed my belief that I think something, you know, like Biden couldn't have gone forward with business as usual. Like, I think this diplomatic boycott is the right way to go because I don't think you should punish the athletes. And I think the U.S. pulling out of the Olympics altogether is not going to end the, the treatment of the Uyghurs in Xinjiang province. It has to be like a piece of a broader puzzle. But I do hope that this serves as sort of a, a big, you know, push forward in terms of the global conversation about China's human rights record. 
Last question for Tommy Vitor. Again, he's the host of Pod Save the World uh, with Ben Rhodes, who they talked about this extensively on their show this week. If you want to check it out, a longer form discussion on this, not limited to the time that we have here on the radio. Uh, you can definitely check out Pod Save the World anywhere you get your podcast. Uh, Tommy was the spokesperson for the National Security Council under President Obama. And um, I- I'm curious, I guess, as a, as a wrap up, as a kind of, I-, I don't know, an action item, if to the extent mm-hmm. that any of us can do anything about this, um, to-, to-, to wrap up this thought of... Of, and right exactly where you just were. This is really the fault of the IOC um, as the International Olympic Committee, as corrupt as they come, with the exception of FIFA. They're two peas in a very corrupt spot. <laughs> right. um, and as we go through 2022 with the Winter Olympics in Beijing and the World Cup in Qatar, two events that were basically bought and are existing amidst horrendous, deadly human rights violations, um, what can any of us do to try and get through to these organizations that we do not want them to behave this way while not depriving ourselves of the things that we love watching the Olympics, watching the world cup and and rooting on the athletes and the teams that, that are wearing our country's flag. That's a great question. I mean, so so one thing I just point out is like the, the WTA, the women's tennis association did one of the more gutsy things I've seen a corporation do in a long time, which is they said, you know, if, if you don't, make clear to us that Pung is okay and that she has freedom of movement and freedom of expression, we're going to cancel all of our tournaments in China going forward. And they went, they made good on that threat. They ended up canceling 10 tournaments that would have been in China next year. They probably lost hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, and, you know, they, they, you know, put their, uh, their money where their mouth is. And it really took a lot of guts. And I think one thing that we all can do is support corporations and, you know, entities they take moral stands like that uh, and let companies in the U.S. know, like, uh, you, know, age, you know, places in Hollywood that are editing their movies to uh, make Chinese censors okay with them, or the IOC, which is willing to essentially aid in a propaganda cover-up of a disappearance of a woman, that it's unacceptable. So I think part of it is just, like, speaking out about this stuff when it happens, posting about it on social media, just sort of, like, general education because I think a lot of people, understandably, don't nec- don't know. Like they don't know what's going on in Western China. It's it's an issue that's sort of new to them. And I think hearing about it from your friends and peers is is a piece of the puzzle. Um, I don't think anyone should feel like they have to turn off the Olympics. But I do think that you know going forward, we're, there's going to be an inflection point and a choice made by a lot of corporations that have to decide: Am I going to abide by these Chinese censors' rules, or am I going to seek out consumers in China? And I think supporting the companies that are trying to do the right thing, even if they take an economic hit, is going to be important going forward to just sort of help it, help them make the right choice. Gently prod them. <laughs> yeah, gently prod the corporations. Just, just a little poke Always. here, little here and the there. Uh, yep. Uh, but also, you know, be nice to the, the person on the end of the social media account. That's, that's probably someone who's like, look, social media manager is no longer like an intern, but oh. those people are people too. That's a tough job, man. That's a tough job, and you just get kicked around so much. Yeah, it's never them. It's some CEO who's making um, their salary with, like, six more, you know, zeros after it. Right, exactly. And stock options, which they and just, stock never options, mind. Yeah. We're, not going, we're not going down that rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, Tommy, Tommy Vitor is the co-host of Pod Save the World. Uh, you can check that out, as well as Pod Save America. Uh, Pod Save the World comes out each and every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're interested in this or anything in for policy world, I highly recommend it. It is great. You will feel like a lot smarter person, which is a nice feeling. Uh, and, and by the way, next time you're in D.C., if you want to get beers and talk about football, just let me know. 
I would love to. I, listen, Craig, I really appreciate you you inviting me on to just be super obnoxious uh, in front of a Redskins or sorry, a Washington football team audience. I know that's kind of that's a, that's asking a lot, but I really appreciate it. I I the expertise is worth it. It's a calculated risk, but I know what I'm doing. I'm a trained <laughs> professional. Tommy Vitor, everybody. Right. Tommy, uh, good to talk to you, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. David, see you. Uh, Tommy Vitor on the BetQL guest line. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today. Uh, Come back, react to that real quick, and then a phenomenal chat with Dan Grunfeld here on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.